Welcome to the Kupinger Coal Analyst Chat. I'm your host. My name is Matthias Reinhardt. I'm the director of the practice I am here at Kupinger Coal Analysts. My guest today for the third episode around trends and predictions um, running up to EIC 2023 is again Martin Kupinger. He is one of the founders of Kupinger Coal and the principal analyst. Hi, Martin. Good to see you. Hi, Matthias. A pleasure to be here again. Great to have you. And the, the aim for this episode is that people really just only want to go, and at least based on this, want to go to EIC because they want to learn more about policy-based access control and why this is really a thing. So at the end of this episode, you want to go there at least only for PIVIC. So what is your opinion, Martin, when it comes to policy-based access control being a thing in 2023 and beyond and really gaining traction, especially also in the enterprise. Yeah, I, I think this is a, an area where I have a bit mixed feelings. So, so let me start with, with, with uh, a couple of points. So the first is we had this idea, this idea is not new. We had discussions about ABAC, attribute-based access control, which is factually and um, old term for a lot of things which come back in policy-based access control or policy-based access management. So we had it in the past and it didn't uh, succeed as expected as a lot of people in the industry hoped. Um, we have, on the other hand, um, a strong uptake in policy-based access controls um, factually in two areas. And one is very established, we don't think much about. This is at a very cost grain level when it comes to authentication. So at the level of access management systems. And the other is when we go to the developer space and um, approaches such as OPA, the open policy agent, uh, are facing a very significant momentum here. So developers love to work against systems where they can control uh, why are policies um, what is allowed or not. So they can control the authorizations here. And this is gaining very, um, very significantly in momentum. And then we have the, the third part, and that is um, we have a lot of systems with static entitlements. And when I look at sort of the, the root cause of a lot of the challenges we are facing in, in identity and access management, so these very complex creation of role models, all the burden of recertification and the technical connectivity to systems with setting up uh, connectors in IGA. Then they all go back to, uh, we have legacy systems, we have still a lot of systems that don't support any policy-based approach, but work with static entitlements. And so, it will not be easy to, to move forward, but at the end, I think we need to do more in policy-based access. And by the way, if you set up your IGA system right, a lot of that will be already policy-based. I think one aspect that is often underestimated when it comes to policy-based access is the creation of birthrights. This is roles, but this is the assignment of roles based on well-defined um, um, policies. So, I, and that can also change over time. So it's not not only birth; it's only also growth. So, the mover process is included I, I in that even as well. I disagree here already. Okay. I would disagree. I, I, I'm absolutely with you when it comes to birthright. I'm with you when it comes to policies. 
but saying this is roles, to my understanding, is not correct. It's access. It, it may help in creating birthright policies to have roles. And I never will say that roles must go fully away when we think about policy-based access control. They're, so to speak, one attribute. But saying this is about roles, I would, would definitely disagree with that because it's about the, the, the key part. It's about policies where you say, I have a policy that um, controls the entitlements that are assigned. They may come in in form of roles where a role factually is, is a, um, a combination of entitlements. Um, but a role usually also is a, is a bit bigger than than just a set of entitlements. In, in some way, you can you could say, okay, a, a role is nothing else than a set, set of entitlements. But usually, there's there's an, a, a broader context behind the role, um, and so I think we can work with different constructs here. Um, at the end, uh, the, the main point is yes, it's about policies, and if you set up your IGA system right, and 80 to 90% of the entitlements someone has should come via birthright entitlements or in the removal process um, when, so to speak, you change the things, should come again in automatically. Absolutely. And I think that is a transition scenario that we can look at, keeping with still working um, entitlement models while moving towards policy-based access and finally hopefully getting rid of the, the transition phase with, with so, such large role uh, concepts being involved. And I think when we talk about moving um, towards PBAC in the enterprise, we need to have these transition scenarios because roles are well understood. They are well understood when you are highly regulated. This is something that auditors can easily look at. They understand that. Uh, but But Nevertheless, what you described before is holds totally true. So there needs to be a, yeah, as I said, a transition phase and a transition period to enable the enterprise for the employees towards payback. But honestly, I, I talked with a couple of, of, of high-ranked auditors in the past about this subject, and none of them said we must have roles. Um, what they want, and no, no regulation says you need to have roles in place. There's nothing in any regulation that talks about roles and says you must do it that way. What they say is you must enforce the least privilege principle. And that can be done in different ways. And auditors are open to that. So we shouldn't come to a point where, where we, 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 we say, okay, because the auditors have been uh, asking for least privilege and they, they usually look for, for role concepts or so, and for some recertification, we do it exactly that way. I think this must be, uh, must not hinder an evolution. And yes, we can talk about um, governance, uh, at the end, governance in policy-based um, systems and that, that brings a, a new level of, or a different level of complexity. So currently our level of complexity stems from the fact that we say, okay, we need to ensure that static entitlements, and that's what we are talking about here uh, when it comes to recertification, it's reviewing static entitlements, that we shift to reviewing policies. So are the policies correct? So we need policy life cycles, like we should have role life cycles in a well-designed system. So we should have usually a, a, a approval of roles, we should have workflows, we should have transition of uh, 
responsibility or just sort of ownership, as it's frequently called. And we, we need to have similar um, similar life cycles for policies. And the, the other point is that policies make their decisions at runtime based on attributes. And that means the data used in decision-making also must be in a good state. So we need some sort of data governance here to ensure that decisions are made on correct data. This is the other level of complexity. I believe we just recently talked in a podcast about this ownership or chain of custody thing. Um, so about we, we need to, to also control data governance. We need to implement data governance properly in the IGA context as well and in conjunction, conjunction with IGA. And this is definitely very important if we want to be successful with policy-based access controls. So there are clearly areas where we can use policies way simpler. For authentication access, uh, in, in access management systems, we already do this very frequently. We have the policies that say, okay, if you have a weak device, then you can do that. If you do a highly risk transaction, you need a step up authentication that are all well established, bringing fraud and other factors here. Uh, for authorization in modern systems like with OPA, it's straightforward and you de develop it. And the developers of today of digital service, they, they love this idea to work against something that where they just say, so to speak, authorize or not and get a res response on that. Um, we, we probably can extend some things when we, when you think about the future of OAuth, which probably would be a separate task. But if you look at open banking um, APIs, then they have a bit of more fine-grained approaches and scopes in OAuth, and we can move in that direction. The big challenge always will remain with the legacy um, systems. How do we handle the systems that still live with static entitlements or that still are newly created um, with concepts that are based on static entitlements. I think hopefully every developer of a commercial off-the-shelf software and a SaaS service gets away from that and moves to policy-based access control, at least as an option. I think it's that, that's, that's surely one of the biggest challenges. The too many systems are built with outdated concepts relying on static entitlements in place. But as you said, the, the, the change is underway. This, there, there is no turning back from this evolution that we're currently looking at. The way is how do we shape it? How do we shape the transition? And how do we make sure that enterprises really uh, make the right steps at the right time? And you said we need to talk about this and we will talk about that at EIC. And there will be tracks around policy-based access control about modernizing authentication and authorization processes, especially for uh, and for the enterprise, for legacy system, systems as well. So this is a, a discussion that we will continue. And we need to make sure that also our audience listening to this episode, but also maybe joining us digitally or in person in Berlin for the EIC, uh, learn the right content, learn, talk to the right people who do standardizations, who make, make products, who do the implementation within enterprises, um, who support them in the strategy, that's us, um, and really make sure that they take the right steps 
what would be your recommendations to look at at EIC when it comes to policy-based access control? Um, what, where are the, where's, where's the beef when it comes to talking policy-based access? So I believe that we have a few sessions here. Uh, I really would need to check for them. Um, and aside of that, I think it's really also a matter of, of conversations. How can we make it work? And how can we, we sort of overcome some of these challenges? And how can we specifically leverage leverage the potential of policies? The, the, the charming point is a policy always has the same construct. It's a subject that can that is uh, granted to, to take actions on certain objects under certain constraints. And these policies have always the same structure regardless of where, where you use them. So, so if we do it right, also from a, from a management perspective, we can, and we can derive high, lower level policies. What does a higher level policy mean concretely from a technical aspect? We can derive it. And I think we need to talk a lot at the EIC about what is the potential of such policy-based access uh, approaches because they can be a unifying element across all these different areas from new digital services to authentication systems to handling authorization. And then you, we need to look also at zero trust network, uh, zero trust, not zero trust network access only, but zero trust. Zero trust heavily builds on policies. If you look at the NIST concept for zero trust, the policy are at the core. And if we if we do it right, I strongly believe we can map the identity perspective of policies to the zero trust perspective of policies, come up with a way more unified policy system that, so to speak, is the one to rule them all. Absolutely. And I think you're perfectly right. There will be lots of interesting um, um, sessions around policy-based access, but talking to practitioners, maybe also talking to standard people, who, or standardization people who, who make sure that what you just mentioned, the translation of a single policy towards different contexts and then reusing them once built and then and then reused in various contexts, that is really where the beauty will be. And that is where we yeah, should continue our discussion. Yes, and the industry should be aware, so the, the vendors, the creators of software, that they are lagging behind the demand. So when we look at what we get in from, from our customers, then the demand is higher than what the industry delivers. So it's time that the industry really rethinks. And just to be clear, if you create something which is heavily relying on static entitlement still and doesn't allow at least alternatively for, for policy-based access, then it's not a good software design anymore. Okay, and then again, that is where also EIC re really can show its strengths, making your voice heard as an enterprise, as a standardization body, as a user of the systems at the end to make sure we, we really need this functionality, make sure that there are standards, make sure that there are products that we can really use in our transition. Thank you very much, Martin, for joining me for wow. this discussion, for highlighting the policy-based access finally really being there, not going away. This is no longer XML from five years or 10 years ago. This is here, this is there, and that needs to be well-established. And it will start and it will continue at EIC. Thank you very much, Martin, and looking forward to another episode with you. Thank you for having me here.